If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to open to Matthew 21. We're going to look there today. There's this old story about a pastor who's having problems. And so he decided he was going to leave the ministry. But he ran into trouble finding another job. Well, finally, in desperation, he took this job at the zoo. See, the gorilla had died. And since it was the children's favorite animal, the zoo officials decided to put someone in a gorilla costume until a real replacement could be found. Well, to the minister's surprise, he liked the job. He got lots of attention. He could eat all he wanted. There was no stress. There were no deadlines, no complaints, no committees. He could take a nap whenever he wanted. Well, one day he was feeling particularly frisky. So he began to swing on the trapeze. Higher and higher he went. But suddenly he lost his grip, flipped a couple of times, and landed in the next cage. Stunned and dazed, he looked up and he saw this ferocious lion staring at him. In a panic, he forgot he was supposed to be the gorilla, and he began to yell, Help! Help! But that ferocious lion turned in his direction and said, Oh, be quiet! I'm a minister too! (laughs) You see, the main thing that I want us to come away with today is we are all ministers. Maybe we're not all ordained, Maybe we didn't all go to seminary, but we are all ministers nonetheless. Or let me put it like this. All of us are supposed to be donkey givers. But in order to understand that, I need to introduce you to a man that Jesus met long ago. See, this morning we're continuing with looking at the interactions that Jesus had during the end of his ministry, the final week of his life. And this man today is truly a mysterious fellow. We're not told his name. We're not told his profession. We don't know what he looked like. We don't know how he came to know Jesus. All we do know is what he gave. Matthew 21, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, At once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on the donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. So this man loaned his donkey to Jesus in order to ride as he entered Jerusalem for the last time. Now hundreds of years later, Zechariah uh, had predicted that the coming Messiah would make this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He said this in Zechariah 9, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, sitting on a donkey. See, the guy with the donkey made it possible for that scripture to be fulfilled. You know, when I get to heaven, one of the people I want to talk to is, is that guy. The guy with the donkey. I want to ask him things like, well, how did you get to know Jesus? Did, did he tell you in advance that he might need the donkey? When those disciples took the halters off the donkey and his colt and said, the Lord needs them, were those code words that you had agreed upon earlier? Did, did you know what he was going to do 
with the donkey. And even better, when the master was finished with the donkey and he sent it back to you, was it different in any way? Well, here's what all that means for us. We are supposed to be donkey givers too. Did you know that? Did you know you are supposed to be a donkey giver too? Now, now show of hands, how many of you own a donkey? Hmm, none of you. None of you actually own one of those long-eared, obstinate animals? That's okay. See, you have some things that the master could use. I mean, some of you can sing a song harmoniously. Some of you are effective in reaching out to unchurched people. Some of you can operate a computer or teach a class. Some of you are helpful in organizing campaign funds or, or helping a homeless person. Some of you can repair a leaky roof or, or make a caring phone call. See, the point is, every single one of us can give something that will promote Jesus and his kingdom. Every single one of us in here can give something. I heard about a woman named Susan, and she was serving on a church staff in Cincinnati. She was a lay person in charge of their singles ministry. Well, one day, another man and a woman from the church took her out to dinner. And the man told her, he said, I don't know how to lead people to Jesus, but I know how to make money. And you know how to lead people to Jesus. So I want to send you to seminary. Well, after Susan recovered a bit from the shock, she, she asked him, she said, are you serious? He said, I am. And I want you to pick out the best seminary in the country. I don't believe in doing things halfway, and neither does Jesus. And today, Susan is joyously at work leading people to Jesus. And that guy, he's still busy making money in order to underwrite the work of Jesus Christ. See, both of those people lent their donkeys to Jesus. All of us have some donkeys. And if some smart aleck here says, oh, I'm married to one, we're going to make him or her stay after church. <laughs> but you see, all of us have something. Something that if we give it to the Lord, it will help him enter into the city or another nation or another heart, another life. Max Lucado, the Texas preacher, claims that the guy with the donkey is one in a long line of folks who gave their little things to a big God. Scripture has quite a gallery of donkey givers, if you look at it. One day by the Sea of Galilee, thousands of people were wanting to hear the words of life from the lips of Jesus, and, and he needed a platform, somewhere where he could speak to the crowd. Well, there was a boat close by, right by the water's edge. And one of the disciples approached the owner of the boat and he asked, would it be all right if Jesus sits in your boat and addresses the people? And the owner let him use his boat. That boat owner was a donkey giver, so to speak. Later, Jesus was addressing this huge crowd on a hillside. They had been listening for hours and they were craving to hear more, but it had been a long time since they had eaten anything. Stomachs were growling. I'm sure children were whining. And so the disciple Philip found this boy who had a small lunch. Two fish, five loaves of bread. And he asked him, are you willing to give your lunch basket to Jesus? 
Well, gladly, said the boy, never dreaming that he and 10,000 other people would eat from that lunch, which miraculously never emptied. That boy was a donkey giver. He said later, when the shadow of an awful cross was lengthening ominously, tension was building towards a crescendo, and Jesus needed a day off, a quiet day, a 24-hour relief from the crowds. Mary and Martha and Lazarus, longtime friends of Jesus from Bethany, gave him their home and their hospitality. Mary especially honored him with her generosity, if you remember that from last week. Jesus was blessed by a family of donkey givers. Then, on that momentous crucifixion day, when the skies were darkened at noon in this heartbreaking spasm of the solar system, Jesus dragged that heavy cross towards the place of execution. His loss of blood and sleep had sapped all of his strength, and he collapsed beneath that splintery cross. His face was battered into the filth of the hard path, filling his mouth with grit and blood, and a Roman soldier, eager to get this grisly business finished, tapped a stranger on the shoulder and said, you, pick up that cross and carry it for him. Simon really didn't have a choice in the matter, did he? But for the rest of eternity, he would rejoice that he lent his shoulder and his strength to bear the master's cross. He too was a donkey giver. This guy with the donkey, he's just one of a large fraternity and sorority These people that are still giving things to the Master so that he can move his kingdom further down the road. You see, you cannot be in a relationship with Jesus and not be on mission. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Each local congregation is a world missions strategy center. When God honors Christ's church by sending us a new member, We should ask God to show us what He's up to. Because we're all here for a purpose. We're not just here to take a seat. Right? Each and every one of us are here, not just for our own good, but also to help expand the work of God's kingdom. And the gift and the graces of each and every one of us here expand the capabilities of the church. I mean, God wants to touch and transform Wheatfield and our surrounding communities. He wants to reach the world. But a lot of times we become self-centered, don't we? I mean, our prayers sound like, God, bless me and bless my family and bless my business and bless my golf game or my favorite team. And God says, yeah, I want to bless you. But not necessarily in the way that you'd expect. I want you to deny yourself. Pick up a cross and follow me. And I will lead you to places where I am working, and I'll include you. You'll be an instrument in my hand. And as you pour out yourself in my name, you'll receive the mother of all blessings. Now some of you may want some scripture authority to back what I've been preaching. Some of you are like the husband I read about who told his wife that housework is woman's work. And he was not going to help with it unless she could find a Bible verse that commanded that kind of work to a man. Well, the wife prayed and 
prayed and she began to read her Bible. And before long, she came to him with this Bible. And it was open to 2 Kings 21.13. It said this, God says, I will wipe Jerusalem as a man wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. Well, that husband immediately went and picked up a dishcloth and headed for the kitchen. Well, let me share with you some scripture to to back up my claim that all of us are to be ministers, to be donkey givers. Paul said this to the Romans, we, we meaning all of us, we have gifts that differ according to the grace God has given to us. To the Corinthian church, he wrote this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And he began to list some of the endless gifts of spiritual gifts. Prophecy, teaching, giving, leadership, compassion, wisdom, healing. Now all that to say this. What is your gift? What is your gift that God has given you? And are you using it for his glory? I read about a man in a church in South Carolina. His gift was comforting the bereaved. And he would go to a home where there had been a death and he'd spend about an hour or so there. Didn't didn't say much. If he offered a prayer, it would be brief. But his presence, his presence transmitted the consistency and comfort of God. What's your gift? Have you ever identified that gift that God has given you? More importantly, are you using it? You know, last week we talked about Mary's extravagant gift, right? This extravagant gift that she gave to Jesus when she poured that perfume on him. And I asked you, I said, what extravagant gift can you give to Jesus and to his church? Have you thought about it? Have you figured it out? But more importantly, this morning, are you ready to give it? Are you a donkey giver? How are you lending your donkey to the Savior? How are you investing the most precious assets that you have, your time, your talent, your money, your energy, into the only enterprise that is guaranteed to last forever, which is the kingdom of God? One day there was an old woman, a bank executive, and she walked past one of the offices at the bank. And she glanced in and she saw a young woman that was sitting at her desk and she was just crying. And the executive went in to see if she could help. And she told this woman, she said, nothing is that bad. Why don't you just tell me what's going on? Well, the younger woman said, well, my mom died about a month ago. And this past weekend I got engaged and we are planning a June wedding. But I don't know the first thing to do. And I don't have a mom to help. And the young executive looked at her and she said, yes, you do. I'll be your mother. And they hugged and this incredible friendship was born. All because this woman saw two things, a hurting person and a ministry that she could provide. You see, the saying is true, right? 500 years from now, as we delight in the glory of God's kingdom, we won't remember how much money we earned on earth. 
We won't care about how big our houses were. We won't remember whether we had much status or popularity. But we're going to celebrate forever every single donkey we gave to the Master. So let me just ask you as we close one more time, what is your gift that you can give to the Master? What is your donkey that you can let Him use? Are you sharing it? Are you using it? Using it to serve this church? Or maybe it's in this community? Using it somewhere for the kingdom of God? Or maybe you need to take that step today. If you do, come talk to me. Call me, text me, stop by the church and visit with me. I would love to help you see how you can share your donkey with the Master. Can we pray? God, we thank you. We thank you for this man that so generously, so willingly gave what he had to Jesus. Him and and so many others throughout history have been willing to sacrifice for you. Lord, help us continue that. To show us the talents and the gifts that you have blessed us with. But more importantly, Lord, show us how we can use those talents and use those gifts to bless others in your name. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.